Jess, it's happening. Whoa, Tina, what are you doing in my car? Space is here now. No closet will be left behind. Did you say closet? Yes, the Container Store custom closets are up to 25% off. It doesn't matter the size or shape. Space is coming to them all. You're not serious. Space isn't a joke, Jess. How long do we have? Through October 13th. All right, buckle up. The Container Store custom closet sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha. The Container Store, where space comes from. And now for an inside look at college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and Morgan. Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert. It is the fastest and most intriguing and entertaining one hour in college football podcast history. It is J.C. and Morgan. Did I hype that up enough? Is that is that in, in, an, in an era and business of uh, self-promotion, which we quite frankly don't do a lot of, and I've never felt incredibly comfortably doing we're going to do it just for today because I'm feeling loopy anyway. J.C. Sherbert, Mike Morgan coming at you here. J.C. of 24-7 Sports. I am with uh, ESPN and the SEC Network, and I'm fresh off a trip. If I sound a little loopy, it's because in the last uh, few days I've had uh, football in Knoxville uh, and then basketball last night in Auburn. Uh, for a lot of people that don't know, basketball has started, and uh, and the SEC conference we talk about a lot is loaded again despite Kentucky's loss to Duke that's a whole other uh, can of worms and then uh, I'm leaving for Lexington actually uh, tomorrow JC so we got a lot of things to get to but it, this is going to be all college football and I'll tell you what you know we're both in a time crunch today sometimes we can't help ourselves because we love doing this uh, we'll go well over an hour hour and a half today it's going to be the fastest hour in podcast history. Um, and you know what? I, when I was thinking about it on the way over here, driving uh, up I-85, not too far from the burgeoning metropolis that is Columbus, Georgia, my first uh, my first city that I ever worked in out of college doing a sports talk show there and minor league baseball and high school football. I was driving back and heading toward the – the beautiful city of Atlanta, Georgia, on a beautiful day. I was thinking about this. We can sit here and we can talk about so many different things about college football, JC. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, this has got to be one of the least intriguing, least dramatic, completely predictable years that we've had in college football for a while. And this is going back to something I've been talking about in the summer. And I hope I turn out to be wrong. But it is becoming a very predictable sport with all the pageantry and all the pride. And yes, we'll have upsets here and there. Look at the, look at the playoff rankings, Alabama, Clemson. Again, Alabama is going to make the playoff for the fifth time in five years. Clemson's going to make it for the fourth time in five years. Uh, you're likely going to have a big 10 representative, either Michigan um, or Ohio state. And then Notre Dame is the monkey wrench, kind of, but it's Notre Dame. It's not that surprising. Oklahoma's sitting there at number six, the Big 12. Georgia's number five, but their only way they're getting in is to beat Alabama, which nobody seems to be able to do. Uh, Tua's going to win the Heisman. You and I talked about the two big games in the SEC last week. And look, I am glad to say when I'm wrong, and there's too many things to, to we, we, we need to expand the podcast and just do things I'm wrong about. But I nailed these two games. I don't mind telling you. I never thought LSU had a chance to beat Alabama. All the oh, it's Baton Rouge at night, it's Death Valley. 
nobody cares if you're if you're Alabama. Nobody cared in that locker room. They they are going to play. If it was in Ed Orgeron's living room, they're going to beat you down. That's just the that's the nature of the beast right now. And I love the Kentucky story. But Kentucky did what I thought they would do because they have no passing game and Georgia was able to expose them. And really, that that game was not even as close as the score indicated. So the two games that were supposed to provide some drama and some entertainment Saturday, J.C., uh, really did not live up to the hype. And it's, it's, I sat there with Barrett Jones, who was my partner on the, the Tennessee broadcast. And I mean, we couldn't get we couldn't get out of Neyland Stadium quick enough to find a, a random uh, sports bar in West Knoxville, Tennessee. And we sat there and we watched and I just I looked at Barrett and, you know, he's he's bleeding Alabama crimson and white. And I just looked at this calm over his face. He was so into the game. But I looked at I said, aren't you a little bit nervous? It's like, no, Mike, it's all good. Mike, we we, we're just better. And he's right. They're just better at at almost every position. LSU's got the best secondary in the country, right? Didn't matter Tua carved it up. Uh, Anyway, I've talked long enough. You take it from here, JC. That's that's it. I'm, I'm dropping the mic. I'm going home. Yeah, I I thought I thought Kentucky. You know, when when programs that aren't used to kind of being on the big stage get on the big stage, uh, and it's been a while for Kentucky. Like we said, it was the it was probably the biggest game since the '70s as far as implications go, uh, and was the biggest game for that program since the 2007 LSU game, which they won by the way in overtime. Uh, one of two losses LSU had that year when they won the national championship. Both were in overtime. Um, it usually goes one of two ways. Either you see like a a big time upset or down to the wire game, and you're like, "Well, these guys are these guys are here," um, or you kind of just see what happened, uh, where the better team comes in there and rolls and uh, sort of like you said, expose them. And, and I thought it could go either way. You know, Georgia. I think a lot of people are scared of Georgia because of what happened in Baton Rouge. But if you look at everything else they've done this year, they've dominated most of the teams they've played. Um, And, you know, on the road at Missouri, which I don't think is a bad team. Uh, On the road at South Carolina, which is not a bad team. On the road at Kentucky, which certainly isn't a bad team. And then beating Florida down uh, in in the cocktail party. They've passed every test. Um and look, there's no difference between what Georgia was like at this point last year and and what they were like what they're like this year. They have one bad loss on the road to an SEC West opponent that was playing at a high level at the time. Um, so so you know, I thought Kentucky would probably be a little closer. I thought they'd try to grind it out, a thousand paper cuts, all that good stuff. I had questions about Georgia's run defense, but uh, at the end of the day, the better team won. Um, as far as Alabama goes, I don't know that I expected a shutout. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I know that you. Uh, I know that you talked about. Um, you know, can LSU get the thirty points? And, and of course, they were. They were about thirty points behind that. And if they'd have gotten yes. the thirty, they'd have won the game. Um, <laughs> but you know, just a dominant performance by the Crimson Tide. Uh, you know. It, 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 it is Alabama-Clemson world right now. Clemson, um, I'm not going to sit here and talk about how bad the ACC is. And, and, and I think I do think it is a bad conference. I do think that the committee, if you look at the latter portion of the rankings, has it – I mean, there are three ACC Atlantic teams in the top 20. Number 13, Syracuse. Number 14, NC State. 
And number 17, Boston College. And, and I just don't see it. I mean, I, I think, you know, Boston College plays Clemson this weekend. I do think ACC teams that, play, that are in the South have to sort of beware of, of going up to Boston College or Pitt uh, in the cold late in the year. Um, and I think they have to be wary of going up to Syracuse uh, just to, for different reasons because it's a weird basketball-type setup. But but I, I don't think – I think Syracuse is a really good football team and a great story. I don't think they're number 13 in the country. I certainly don't think NC State belongs at 14. I mean, I just don't – I don't get it, you know. Uh, you know, then beyond that, you got a three-loss Florida team that got waxed on their home field by Missouri – at 15, Mississippi State. I mean, I just – you're right, Mike, in that I don't think – I think it's hard to kind of know what to do beyond the top five or six teams in the country right now. Um, and, and, but back to Clemson, I'm, I'm not going to sit there and, and talk about their weak conference because let, let's face facts, it is weak. I mean, they're probably going to end up with Pitt in the, in the ACC championship game. Yeah. Uh, a team that got waxed by Penn State 51-6 earlier this year. Um, so I, I'm not going to blame them, though, because they're doing what they need to do. Clemson went to Wake Forest 63-3. NC State comes in 41-7. Uh, Louisville 77 to 77-16. 77-16. Uh, and they're doing what dominant teams do. You blow it up, blow them out. I mean – you know, when Miami was dominant, and they used to play in the Big East, uh, and, and they played basically one team every year, Virginia Tech or whoever, um, you know, they weren't – people weren't clowning on them for beating Temple 62-7 to or Rutgers or whoever or West Virginia um, in a down year for the Big East. So, so I'm, I'm – I think Clemson, if you look at them, look beyond the fact that they're just playing garbage teams right now. Um, and I don't care – what Syracuse, NC State, and Boston College are ranked. And I'm not saying that they're completely garbage, but it's just not it's not good. Oh, 50, I forgot the 59-10 win over Florida State and Tallahassee as well. Um, you know, you look at what Clemson is. Um, they've got a great defensive line. They've got a secondary that I think has improved a lot. Um, is it as good as LSU's in terms of future NFL players? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I think their defense is very, very good, and I think their offense, uh, because they can run the ball and throw it uh, and and do whatever you want. I mean, if you try to stop one, you're going to run into the other. Uh, I think they're a complete football team, and, and I think that while I don't, I would not rank them ahead of Alabama, and I would probably mark them as a seven to ten point underdog on a neutral field against the Crimson Tide. That game could be really, really good, and it has been. Uh, you know, last year was kind of a, a Bama 18-point slugger fest, but the first two between these two schools was, was outstanding for national championships, and I don't know that it, that it won't be a good game out in California uh, if they ultimately play one another later this year. Um, so, so I'm, I, I'm not going to, you know, I, I think Alabama is beating better teams, and I think Alabama will play you know, starting with Mississippi State and then Auburn and then possibly Georgia or definitely Georgia in the SEC. They're going to play some good teams down the stretch um, better than Clemson. But but I still think Clemson's an awfully impressive football team. Beyond that, Notre Dame, nice story. Great year. Don't know if they match. I don't know if they'll stay within two touchdowns of either one of these teams. Um, 
Could Michigan possibly pull an upset over Alabama or Clemson? I would say it would be unlikely, and Michigan's got to get, you know, past Ohio State and win the Big Ten and all that. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think it's you, you go, you know, three through whatever, um, and it's just a bunch of teams that are kind of evenly matched, and then you got number two and then a solid number one. So I, I agree. This is not a dramatic type of year. Well, it's – all right, you gave me a lot to chew on there, including a, a – uh, unpredictable ACC rant that I did not see coming in the A block, but uh, let me double back on that. Uh, the The ACC has three teams ranked where they are because you're, you're basing it on resume more than fact. If you really want to, Jess, it's happening. Whoa, Tina, what are you doing in my car? Space is here now. No closet will be left behind. Did you say closet? Yes, the Container Store custom closets are up to 25% off. It doesn't matter the size or shape. Space is coming to them all. You're not serious. Space isn't a joke, Jess. How long do we have? Through October 13th. All right, buckle up. The Container Store Custom Closet Sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha. The Container Store, where space comes from. Something extraordinary has happened to Judy Sizemore's closet, making it feel more like a closet. 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 An area that once caused claustrophobia now has enough space Space. Space. to hold all of Judy's striped boat neck sweaters. And Judy Sizemore has a lot of striped boat neck sweaters. The Container Store Custom Closet Sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha, through October 13th. The Container Store, where space comes from. I always say if you really want to get a tr- the most truly unbiased, uh, pure analysis of what team is better, go to the boys in the desert. Go to Vegas. And those three teams that you mentioned, and it might not be fair to lump in NC State and Boston College with Syracuse. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there's that much of a difference between the three to be honest with you I look at all three of them they're all two lost teams and they're all okay that's just where we are in college football you got a bunch of okay teams that are ranked in the top 20 and then you got a few teams at the top that are so vastly superior uh and and uh, and as programs are so vastly superior to the point where uh, this is this is going to be the norm. We are not drifting away from this anytime soon. And I've, again, I've been talking about it for nine months um, because I just think that's where we are in college football. But if you were to take Vegas odds on any of those three teams, taking on, say, I don't know, some of the teams below them, Auburn, Auburn would be favored. I'm convinced of it. Penn State, Penn State would be favorite as as much as they look like a train wreck at times this year washington washington would probably be favored so all these teams, texas wouldn't be surprised if texas is favored over them so if you were to just base it on the pure kind of quantitative talent who should be who's the better team then yes i agree with you uh, those are three teams that the rankings are a little inflated at the end of the day it doesn't as it pertains to clemson it doesn't matter fans that that hate on a particular school and and go right to the conference debate just because you play in a conference that's down and the ACC is clearly having a, a down year um it doesn't take anything away from Clemson being one of the top two teams in college football you know I mean it's just like they it is what it is all you got to do is is look at where they're 
guys are projected in the NFL. I mean, heck, if freshmen were eligible to be drafted like they are in college basketball, Trevor Lawrence would be a first round pick and maybe the number one pick overall, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, and then of course you've got defensive lineman, first rounder, defensive lineman, first rounder, defensive lineman, first rounder, not even talking about a running back that is, uh, in, in another year would be in New York for the Heisman trophy, at least uh, ceremony It'd be in the panel. Uh, it's a foregone conclusion, much like everything else seems to be this year in college football, that an Alabama player is going to win it in Tua. So yeah, it, it's just a, it, it's a weird year. And I really, I was listening. I'll um, give these guys a plug. It's the one national college football show that I really enjoy and that's uh, Childers and Neuheisel on Sirius XM. Uh, I, I, I get nothing to say that, and they don't even know that I'm plugging it, but I just I give credit where credit is due. Yeah, who let the dogs out? Rick Neuheisel and Chris Childers, that's who. But those guys were talking about, Rick Neuheisel in particular, and I really respect Rick because he's been a head coach at multiple spots and, and, and is very uh, – uh, cerebral about his approach to just looking at the landscape. And he, he, he was saying it too, uh, you know, and I haven't heard him say this yet, but he was finally at the point now where he's like, you know what, this is just where we are. The rich are getting richer and he doesn't see it stopping anytime soon either. Like it's just that, that, that line, uh, it, it, unless you get some coaching migration, unless a Nick Saban retires, unless a Dabo leaves for, you know, I've I've maintained for years now. I, I think Dabo's a bigger threat, believe it or not. And I'm not saying this will happen either. To take an NFL job before it takes Alabama, um, I don't think Alabama's opening up anytime soon. And even if it does, I don't think it's a lock that Dabo goes there. Who knows? Could be wrong. But if if Dabo stays at Clemson, if Nick stays at Alabama, if Harbaugh stays at Michigan. Ohio State's tricky because we don't know what the heck's going to happen to Urban Meyer. But even if Urban retires, quote unquote, at the end of the year, they're going to get a competent coach, whether it's a Matt Campbell or somebody. And Ohio State's still going to be a power. Notre Dame is Notre Dame. Georgia is clearly they've turned the corner. They're just not Alabama. Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley, speaking of NFL coaching candidates, if he stays in Norman, they're going to continue to be. So we're going to be talking about these same programs year after year after year. And at some point, maybe that next, you know, maybe Texas gets back there. Maybe Florida gets back there. Uh, uh, maybe Penn state gets back there more consistently. Auburn is always a tricky thing. We just heard in the last 24 hours, you know, Gus Malzahn will be back next year. Don't worry about it. Uh, I, I find that rather odd to do that at this point in time, you're almost admitting that there's a groundswell of people uh, that want him out to where your AD has to come out and say that uh, in week 10 of the college football season. Uh, But that's just where we are. It's just, it's a strange time. And again, I think that sometimes dynasties are good in sports. So this is not me saying Alabama on the, on the heels of perhaps winning or on the verge, I should say, on, on, on perhaps winning a sixth national title in how many years? Uh, in about a ten, decade. Six yeah, out of ten. six yeah. out of ten. Six out of freaking ten. I'm not even saying that's a bad thing, but the fact that it's not just Alabama. Like, Alabama's in a class of its own. We know that. Then there's Clemson, and then there's, like, the same four or five schools, and everybody else, look at the rest of that poll. Kentucky 11, UCF 12, the Q's 13, 
14 NC State, uh, uh, 16 Mississippi State, a team that can't throw the football. Boston College is 17. Iowa 21, Fresno State 23. I mean, there's just not that many good teams. When I say good, I mean teams that truly could compete. Even if we had an eight-team playoff, mm, most yeah. of these teams wouldn't see the light of day in it. So that's just where we are. Well, and you have program. You know, let's talk about you know who has a chance to build a powerhouse right now. You know, you have um, you, you have all right uh, USC, the Trojans. That's a program that has a chance to assemble enough talent to knock off Alabama, Clemson. Uh, Georgia, whoever you want. Well, they're kind of in the wilderness, and they have been since Pete Carroll left. Mm-hmm. Every time, you, I mean, it doesn't matter how many top five recruiting classes they assemble, they're in the wilderness. Florida Don't State. Don't you think they're making a coaching change at the end of the year? I, 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 you know what? If it they, just doesn't seem like a fit at all. If they don't, they, I mean, if they do, they have to get rid of this whole. Uh, and I hate to use the word incestual, but this incestual notion that you have to have someone that's a you know connected to the Carroll era. Uh, I don't think people out there remember that Pete Carroll was like the sixth choice for that job. That's right. Came out of nowhere and and you know ascended to become one of the best coaches in college football. Now he's one of the best coaches in all of football. Um, you don't have to get one of his guys. You know, you could have gone and gotten in the Chip Kelly sweepstakes. You know, you could have gone and uh, hired, you know, made a a great hire. You know, hire a Matt Campbell uh, from Iowa State. You know, Matt Campbell could do a lot of damage out there. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, USC, Florida State, Florida, uh, they have a shot. LSU, really, hey, look. There are a few more players away from being able to say, all right, well, we can do this. Um, you know, a lot of the SEC teams like Auburn, A&M, uh, you know, I, I, you look in the ACC, you know, Miami obviously said, and, and that's another thing too, Mike, a lot of these teams we thought were going to be good, Miami is one, SC is one. Uh, they haven't been as good as we thought. And so what you have is ascending uh, up there uh, are teams like Syracuse. Uh, Washington State is eighth in the country. I don't think anybody saw that coming. <laughs> because Washington is another one of those teams, even though they're 7-3 and three and all of a sudden they're in the top 25 again for whatever reason. Uh, Washington fell on their face. Stanford fell on their face. I mean – it's just it, it's just been it has been a lot like I mentioned the 2007 season earlier. It has been a lot like that season, where at one point you had South Florida ranked number two in the country that year. Jim Lovett. Um, but you know if you talk about who has a chance, I mean that, that that's those are the teams that 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 have a shot at assembling enough talent to do it. I think it gets back to recruiting and not in the sense that. Everybody believes because everybody looks and they're like, ah, number one class for however many straight years. Oh, Georgia's arrived now because they signed one class that was number one and Bama was this or whatever. It's recruiting is one of those things that we judge. We we make snap judgments on. Uh, We judge in a short amount of time. But what we really should do is judge it on on, over a longer period of time. And we don't do that because nobody's interested. Nobody would care. You know, if we go back and go, all right, well, now four years later, we're going to rank Auburn's class of 2014 fifth in the country. 
Who would care? It would be a nice little side piece of content. You know, nobody would give a damn. So you you have to cover it real time, and you have to cover it and do the five stars, four stars, all that, and rank teams and all that good stuff. But what, what, what you really judge it on is building a roster over time, and you have to really dig into who you are getting and from where. And it's funny because coaches sometimes will say, I don't care where they're from, I want the best players. That's true from a coaching standpoint. But from an analytical standpoint, when you look at it, you know, Alabama's quarterback that we're talking about, he's from Hawaii. Uh, 2005, when the Trojans are rolling, where do you think that kid goes? Probably USC. Southern Cal. Or, yeah. or Oregon, you know, yeah. at that point in time. It's not like he grew up in Alabama. Fan. No, no. All right, so so Jerry Judy, one of their top receivers, uh, he's from South Florida. Calvin Ridley was from South Florida. Right. Uh, where do you think those kids would go? Well, probably Miami, but maybe Florida State or Florida. Yeah. And and those, those guys are missing. Najee Harris, their, their running back, he's from Antioch, California. I mean, you know – and, and and Alabama has sort of sucked. Oh, it, it's it's happened. It's, it's eroded over time. You know, we want to know why Felipe Franks and Kyle Trask are battling it out to be the Florida quarterback. <laughs> well, no, number one, there was you know some mistakes, and Will Greer is now at West Virginia. Uh, but number two, you know, th- there's a lot of other quarterbacks that have gone other places that, that may have gone to Florida once upon a time. Um, you know, Clemson's kind of a a different deal because you, you look at them and, and they've done a good job of taking those, you know, high four-star, mid-four-star guys uh, out of uh, adjacent states or, or close states like Austin Bryant's from Georgia, Cleveland Farrell's from Richmond, Virginia. You know, he would be a guy that probably would be at Virginia Tech if Clemson wasn't one of the best teams in the country. In fact, Virginia Tech thought they were going to get him in recruiting. Christian Wilkins – uh, from Connecticut, um, a guy Clemson just went and got everybody under the sun thought he was going to go to Penn State, but he went to Clemson. So he's sitting down there, you know, and and he's a guy. He maybe he could have gone to Michigan or something like that, made them a little better. And uh, you know, Dexter Lawrence is, <coughs> excuse me, sort of a traditional Clemson recruit because he's he's from Wake Forest, North Carolina. But uh, Ohio State, if you also look at their roster, Mike. They've gone into the state of Florida because of Urban Meyer's ties and gone into Texas and pulled out key guys. Um, you know, and, and, and so those are the kids that normally would be at Texas or A&M or Oklahoma or Florida, Florida State, Miami. And, and, and so you do have – a, and Georgia right now is starting to do the same thing. They're, they're definitely starting to do the same thing. There's enough talent in this state to where they can sort of mask it. But look, their big left tackle – uh, I think his name is Isaiah Wilson. I think it's Isaiah Wilson. He's from Brooklyn, New York. They went and got it. DeAndre Swift is from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that you do have in recruiting, and, and you look at it over time, you know, five, six programs, one in particular, sucking the oxygen out of the room. And, and, and you know, you're going to have to end up being, uh, make great, ev- out-evaluate Nick Saban, which is impossible. Um, or you're going to have to end up winning some of these battles for these talented guys. And, and that's another – this is my final point on this. Nick Saban not only recruits the top, top, no-brainer talent, okay? He recruits the right top, top, no-brainer mm-hmm. talent. 
that he is the best evaluator in the country. He's a, you know, if you see Alabama offer a kid that doesn't have a lot of offers, uh, you may need to go offer him because he's really, he's going to be really good. And then they develop better than anybody in the country. So, so, so injuries, yeah, they, they happen to everybody. Injuries don't impact Alabama like they do other schools. Um, they also, you know, well, yeah, I was just going to, to, to add to your point. Um, having, having been to Tuscaloosa, sat in the room with Nick Saban, his coordinators, going back to when it was Kirby Smart and a couple of different offensive coordinators uh, I remember meeting with. But they, they would send players in. You know what else you notice about Alabama players? They're well-spoken, respectful. They take the discipline. Uh, they come from backgrounds that uh, typically they're brought up right. In other words, they don't have to gamble on personality. And that's very rare, as you know, in recruiting. Most schools, if the kid's an elite athlete but has suspect character, you still got to roll the dice and take that chance, right? I mean, you just – if the kid's running a 4-4 and he's got some some baggage, most coaches – this is not – for them, it's not an ethical thing. It's say, hey, I got to do what I got to do to survive, Alabama gets the pick of the litter. So not only do they get the elite athlete, they get the elite athlete that's going to be the most coachable kid that's not going to be on the 11 o'clock news. I'm not saying they haven't had any incidents. Uh, There's not a program in America over the last 20, 30 years that hasn't had some drama. Uh, with a particular kid, you got 85 scholarships, you got including walk-ons, you got a hundred kids, you're going to have something happen. But for the most part, Alabama, he gets low maintenance, hardworking kids that go there with the idea, this guy knows what the hell he's doing. He's going to make me a better player. And if I don't act like an idiot, if I don't become a knucklehead, that gives me an even better chance to showcase myself and become an NFL talent, which so many players do at a Tuscaloosa the last 10 years. He has it rolling like no other coach in our lifetime. Uh, they're, they're, it's just the best of all worlds. You mentioned he's the best evaluator. I would also add when they get there, he and his staff are the best developers of talent. Mm-hmm. So, you you can't not be great just about every year if you're Alabama. The only way you could have been susceptible to something is if you had less than great quarterback play. And who knows if Jalen Hurts was the quarterback? And I'm not I'm not by any means picking on this young man because look, Jalen Hurts could start for 100 teams in in college football and be good at it. But I'm just saying they they could they could show a little bit of vulnerability. With Tua, they have virtually none. He threw one pick in that game against LSU, and I, I, like there was just shock in the room. Oh, my goodness, he's human. He's not a robot. He threw an interception, one, one the entire season. It's not like they're running a conservative offense these days. They challenge. They throw the ball vertically. It's not a dink and dunk offense. Um, so it, it's just, look, it, it's just the way it is. It's not going away anytime soon. And I'm not saying that this is a lifetime deal. Alabama has been vulnerable before, and they will be vulnerable again. I just don't think it's going to happen in the next few years. Nick Saban is not going to the NFL, and at 67 years of age, 
doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that's burnt out or tired of doing this job. So just get used to it, folks. And Dabo Sweeney, probably going to have to get used to that at Clemson. I don't think Clemson has some of the same built-in advantages that, that Alabama does. Uh, but they got it, they've got it rolling, too. And I think Jim Harbaugh, a guy that a lot of people apparently wanted fired uh, this year, uh, you and I not amongst them, uh, he's got it rolling now. And I think Michigan, if they beat Ohio State this year, look out. I mean, Michigan's going to be really good for the foreseeable future. But but outside of that, it, it's just so tough. I, I, I hate using that cliche, the rich get richer, but it's, it's not a financial thing. Uh, sure, the money is there for those programs, uh, unlike any other. But it, it's just when you've got it going on the way they do and you can continually sign 25 kids or so, Every recruiting class, even if you screw up on a couple, like in college, in college basketball, if you miss on a couple guys, let's say a couple of McDonald's All-Americans that for whatever reason don't pan out, you're going to feel that at least for a couple of years. In college football, even if Nick did miss on a guy, he's got 24 other guys that are going to be just complete studs. So anyway, it's a long way of saying uh, we, we have uh, a virtual cartel at the top of college football with the same programs and we're not going to have a lot of drama, but that's okay. We still love it. And if you're a fan of a particular school, uh, you're still very much intrigued by what's going on with that particular school. So let's break down some of these schools that we're not talking about in the hunt for a national championship, but still uh, have a scenario where the games are, are still interesting. I thought what Missouri did to Florida, you know, Missouri has had this coming for a while. The fact that they didn't have a conference win all season long uh, it is kind of confusing to me because again, putting them under a microscope, when you would do that, you, there, there's talent there in Columbia. It's not just drew lock. They actually have some other athletes. They got a veteran offensive line. They got Buckner on the defensive line. Who's a pro. Uh, they got a first round tight end. Uh, who's definitely a pro. They got a receiver who came back in hall. Who's I mean, they got some talent there. So this has been wait. This has been a, a powder keg waiting to blow up on somebody in the SEC, and it just happened to be that the Gators in the swamp. I listened to a Steve Spurrier interview uh, the other day, and I mean, you know, Steve, he just calls it like he sees. He said, he said, "This is embarrassing." I mean, Missouri just came in there, and he was talking about Felipe Franks. And again, I always, if this was a pro quarterback, I'd really be a little more uh, descriptive in my analysis. I'm just I, I'm I'm just saying it as kindly as I can. I don't think Felipe Franks is a guy that is ever going to be very successful as a starting quarterback in the SEC. And you, you, before you could make the excuse, well, it's the wrong offense. Well, now you got Dan Mullen's offense, and still there's just so many issues with him out there. He cannot get Missouri is a good is a good not great team. It is not a great defense. And he just struggles and struggles and struggles. And I, I don't see the progress. Unlike a Jarrett Garantano, who I just saw up close and personal, and that kid is tough as nails, good arm talent. He's got no offensive line. I mean, no offensive line and, and making plays. Um, they got other issues at Tennessee with just offensively. But I actually think with Jeremy Pruitt and company, they'll be heading in the right direction. So congrats to Mizzou, Florida uh, sent back to crashing down to earth and still have to figure out what they're going to do with the quarterback spot. Long-term Mississippi state blows out law tech in a whole hum game there. Uh, 
don't underestimate the importance of that Auburn win against Texas A&M because that does take the dogs off of the Gus Malzahn situation a little bit. I thought there was potential for a tailspin after the loss to Tennessee that had they lost the the next couple of games, which were both very losable, I might add, it, it, it would it could have become very toxic in a hurry on the Plains. But at least for the time being, uh, the critics have been silenced somewhat. And again, the AD gives the, you know, the somewhat dreaded vote of confidence. And Gus is going to be back next year. Gamecocks and Ole Miss, JC. Uh, if you had the over, you were sitting pretty. Two teams that can score a lot of points. Again, if you can't score 30 against Ole Miss, you shouldn't be playing right now. You know, they, they just, that that's like, you know, when you play a game, uh, poker or whatever, you got to ante up. Well, your ante to play Ole Miss is, is 30. 30 points, that, that's a given. If you're an SEC offense, you got to be able to get 30 against Ole Miss. Gamecocks get 48 and win a shootout. And again, not a game to be overlooked. Uh, for the Gamecocks, that is a big win uh, to go to 4-3 and three now in the SEC, 5-3 and three overall. Um, so anyway, those were the other. And, of course, Tennessee beat Charlotte. Uh, I just mentioned some of the uh, – highlights from from that ball game and we already talked about georgia kentucky and alabama lsu uh, any thoughts on those particular games from the sec well uh, you know was it was a big win for auburn um you know texas a&m has played a lot of close games this year uh you know and, and, and i think that at the beginning you know after they beat south carolina uh 26 23 on the road i thought well they're winning games jimbo fisher's way uh, and I think it cuts both ways sometimes because they're not that explosive on offense in terms of being able to light up the scoreboard. Um, and and Auburn and Mississippi State kind of, you know, 24 is not bad. I'm sure it's a game they, they wish they'd have had back. Uh, but, you know, A&M's kind of becoming who we thought they were. I, I think that Florida is definitely who we thought they were. I'm, I'm You know, nothing against the Gators. I, I, I understand that. Beating LSU was big, and, and and beating Mississippi State on the road was big, and and all that. But I I don't know that they're any better than what we expected. I mean, you know, you you, you lose by twenty one at home to a Missouri team that hadn't won a conference game, and, and I'm with you, Mike. I you know you watch Missouri play Alabama, um, they competed, they hung in there. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they did some good things. They have a really good run defense, not so good on the pass, but. You know, if you're going to go beat Florida, you want to be good against the run. <laughs> um, and then their offense really clicked against a defense that I knew would be up and down this year. Um, you know, and and I, and I think Missouri's got kind of a chance because they they still have to play. They still play Tennessee. They still play Vanderbilt. And they play Arkansas. Um, so those are three very winnable games to have another sort of good finish for Barry Odom this year. Um, and good for Drew Locke, and good for good for the Tigers because because they they have they've lost some tough games. That South Carolina game was really tough to lose. <laughs> the Kentucky game was excruciating. Um, to get back up to go down to the swamp and win like that, I think was was gigantic. You know, I I think Florida. You know, will they beat South Carolina this weekend? Gamecocks are banged up in the secondary. I don't know. I, I think Kyle Trask is a guy that may not be as good of a fit for Dan Mullen's system, but I do think that Kyle Trask is a player that can throw the ball. And Florida has really good talent at receiver. And I I, I sort of questioned when Franks was named, I was like, well, Mullen's falling in love with the big athletic guy that can run here. Um, 
and it's going to take their passing game away. So Trask this weekend, uh, if he end up ends up being the guy, it's going to be really intriguing to me to see what happens there. Um, you know, looking at uh, Tennessee, well, they struggle with UTEP, struggle with Charlotte. That's fine. They just need to find a way to win a couple more games, get to a bowl. <laughs> you know, that, that's – Which it, won't be easy, by the way. No, it's it's not going to be. I mean, because they play Kentucky, and then they I think they've got Missouri and Vanderbilt. Correct. Um, and, and so it, it's not going to be an, an easy thing. Yeah, You know, and it, you look around, and, and I think, you know, getting back to the Auburn situation specifically about them, that, that was a big win because you still got Georgia and Alabama left. Mm-hmm. You lose to A&M or Ole Miss or both – the wheels would come off. Now, do I think it, you know, our good friend, one of our good friends who's an Auburn person uh, told us the other day, uh, kind of off the record that according to his sources down there, there's no way that, that Gus Malzahn would get fired. Now, and he's right. He was right about that. But I, I did think it was a little bit, um, a little bit premature uh, to come out and say that because you know, what if you get shellacked by Georgia and Bama and you, you mm-hmm. limp into the Birmingham Bowl? I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's going to get kind of toxic and potentially negatively impact recruiting. But, you know, it, it's fascinating around the league uh, if you look at all these situations. And, and I, I – while I I think that, okay, bring Gus back – and this is, this is uncharted waters for Auburn because previous coaches – have had less disappointing seasons and have been fired, even if they've had successful other seasons on the planes. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it sort of is what it is. So it's, it's unprecedented for them to actually stick with a coach. Gene Chizik sitting there saying, I want a national title, and you, and you, you asked me. Yeah. <laughs> like, like saying, what, Tuberville I, had an undefeated season. And right, later right. Was gone. I mean, there's two things that's, that save Gus in my – well, three if you count – what it would cost for a buyout. And I know people assume that these are all just bottomless pits of money in the sec, but Auburn's had to pay a lot of money, uh, in recent times with various coaching situations. But even if they could somehow summon the cash, I mean, Gus did lead Auburn to a national championship game. Okay. And he has beaten Alabama multiple times. So those two things you can't ignore and look, I don't know. I heard somebody uh, again driving over here talking on the show. Well, who are you going to get? Who are you going to get? I, I I always hate that argument. I always hate that argument because that just assumes, unless it's this huge name, that there's no other, nobody else in the in the coaching fraternity that could possibly be successful. Um, every year in college football. Uh, and on several programs we look at, there are guys that were not big names. Hell, Gus Malzahn was, he wasn't a big name 10 years ago. And now he's a head coach at Auburn. He got the, he got the job because he, he paid his dues as a coordinator and moved his way up and had this, uh, kind of original offense that gave a lot of people fits and looked like a genius for a time. And, and so he wasn't a huge name when they hired him. Uh, you're okay. So you're not going to get Nick Saban. You're not going to get Dabo Sweeney. I, I get it. That doesn't mean there's not a coach out there that couldn't yield better results than what Gus Malzahn has done overall. So that's your best argument to not making a change. I think it's weak. I think it's weak. Your argument should be, look, this is Auburn and this is the best we can do. 
the, the, like Auburn should not be put in the same expectation category as Alabama. And so if you temper your expectations and you say to yourself, look, we are going to be at least contending for the Western division crown two out of every three years, every now and then we'll get to Atlanta every now and then we'll spring an upset over Alabama, but don't expect us to be playing for a bunch of national championships. If that's your case, if that's what you've realistically looked in the mirror and said, this is who we are, this is our DNA, then maybe Gus is your guy. If you think the ceiling should be higher, don't give me, well, who, who are you going to get? No, well, that's what the AD is for. That's what search committees are for, to find guys that are not necessarily a huge established name and to pluck them out and let them become stars and studs and big name coaches while they're the head coach at your particular university. Yeah. I mean, look, urban Meyer was a big name before he went to Florida, but the biggest place he'd coached was Utah. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, Steve Spurrier was the head coach at Duke. I mean, you know, you, you look at it, um, Nick Saban was kind of a special deal because he was at LSU, then went to the pros and bounced back. And bounce back guys are different, um, you know, as we've seen with Chip Kelly, Steve Spurrier, et cetera. Um, you know, it was weird last year that Dan Mullen and Jimbo Fisher made the moves they did. That was sort of unprecedented because it's it's just hard to go get another power five guy. Now, I'll tell you, what, what could Matt Campbell do at Auburn? I mean, I you know, I, I what could a guy like I, that do? You know, I think Matt Campbell is gonna there. Are, there's going to be a bidding war. Uh, you, you thought Tom Herman was was a, <laughs> a big time because remember Tom Herman is almost a foregone conclusion. I mean, I know other schools interviewed him. I know South Carolina uh, certainly went after him as well. They should have, but L- at the end of the LSU, LSU, yeah, I mean LSU, you would have thought they were convinced they were going to get him the way that whole thing was kind of bumbled. Um, but it, it was almost a foregone conclusion. He was going to Texas and I never heard anybody mention Tom Herman for a pro job. I'm actually hearing Matt Campbell is, is a prime candidate for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. And, and, and NFL money typically does not lose out to yeah. college. No so doubt. That's going to be a whole other situation, but I'm with, I mean, you and I've been on the Matt Campbell bandwagon since last year. Uh, but I, I, that's going to be very difficult for somebody to, to get him this year. You're talking a whole lot of cash. Yeah. I mean, you know, if Albert, let's say hypothetically that did fire uh, Gus Malzahn, you know, who, who's out there kind of around the South. I mean, you know, Josh Heupel just got to central Florida and I don't think you hire him. I mean, because I don't know how good he's going to be ultimately. Uh, You know, Charlie Strong is a bounce back at South Florida. You know, those are kind of the two good Southern uh, mid-major type teams. You don't have a guy at East Carolina right now. Neil Brown at Troy, would you go hire him if you're Auburn? I mean, I I don't know. You know, you kind of look around and there's not around the South. You know, Scott Satterfield at App State, maybe that would be a guy that you go get uh, at that next level, you know, there's just not that guy that you kind of pin it on and go, Hey, you know, that's that. And, and I, and I think it's, it's because, you know, your Matt Campbell's of the world, your PJ flex of the world. Um, when they weren't getting the big, big jobs, they wouldn't took power five jobs that were kind of, you know, ho hum. Now one has been 
not so stellar, and one has been really good at Iowa State and Minnesota. But, you know, that sort of happened. And, and, and there has been a shortage of, of coaching uh, can, hot young coaching candidates out there. Um, you know, who was the big guy last year? Scott Frost. Well, he went back to his alma mater. Um, you know, and, and there hasn't been that that plethora of guys where you go, okay, here, we're here. You know, Mike Norvell at Memphis is a guy. I mean, I, I just don't I, – I just don't – you know, I, I don't know who Auburn would go get. And you're living in a world right now where LSU ended up with Ed Orgeron and Tennessee had a fiasco of a coaching search. And those are your peers in the SEC. You know, and I'm not talking about peers like, oh, Tennessee hadn't been good and LSU. I'm not talking about that kind of peer. I'm talking about when you talk about the big six programs in the SEC, Tennessee's one, Auburn's one, LSU's one, and then Florida, Georgia, and Alabama, the other three. Um, similar resources, similar setup, that type of, type of thing. You know, and, and, and so if you you go out there and, and you, you get rid of a guy that's has beaten Alabama, that has gone to the SEC title game, that's won at conference championships, that's played for a national title, and, and you sort of look around, I mean, you know, well, LSU ended up having to promote from within, which I'm not saying that's bad because I've kind of thought Orgeron, I think Orgeron's doing a great job there. Um, and then Tennessee had a fiasco. Um, you don't want that to happen if you were the Auburn Tigers. And so so maybe it's smart and you kind of wait. You know, look, Neil Brown at Troy could end up being a guy. Um, he's upset LSU on the road. He beat Nebraska on the road this year. They have a good scheme of things on offense. But, you know, if you're Auburn and you're sitting there going, you know, what's important? Well, it's important to win the SEC West and play for championships. And that always goes through our in-state rival. Who has beaten our in-state rival? Well, it's been Gus Malzahn. Uh, three times, to be exact. You know, our, our, I'm sorry. Has it been three times? No. It's been twice as a head coach, once as the coordinator in 2010. Um, and, and, and look, that matters at that school. Um, where I think Gus Malzahn's gone wrong is this. Some guys, when they're hot-shot offensive coordinators, they end up trying to do too much. And they get away from what kind of made them. Uh, and I think Urban Meyer, even though he has other people call plays for him, has gotten away from that at Ohio State. That's a different topic. But I think Gus Malzahn, you know, looks around and, and, and thinks, well, I can, I can, if I have a great quarterback that can throw, I can chunk it 30, 40 times a game. Well, you can't if you don't have a great offensive line. You can't if you don't have your run game to, to, to go off of. And I think Gus Malzahn needs to get back to his roots. He needs to go find – Every year, the top dual-threat quarterback in the country, Auburn needs to go get him. I mean, I know you have to throw the ball these days, but look, Nick Marshall was able to effectively throw the ball in that offense because their ground game was so effective. It's still difficult to stop. They just hadn't had the pieces in place to do it. And, and last year, when they went on that run, they started – you can, you can kind of see it happening. Um, and I think that's the problem is that, you, you know, you can't go five. You can't be Mr. Spread. You can't be Mike Leach and Chip Kelly at the same time. And I, and I think that's, that's what Gus Malzahn kind of does. And I think on the high school level or early on at Auburn, when he had Chris Todd that one year and they threw it all over the yard, it worked. But, but that was 10 years ago. And, and schools have called up. There, there's different types of coverages now. Um, 
you know, and, and, and defensive coordinators aren't fooled anymore. So I, I think that's the issue with Gus. Gus needs to go back to being Gus and get Gus players in there. Um, you know, the Gus bus needs a certain type of gas, and he needs to start stop putting the high test in and getting fancy and get, get back to good old regular unleaded and running the ball and, and being himself. And I, I promise you things will work out at Auburn. Uh, yeah, and, and I, so, you know, that's just kind of my take on that. And, uh, I, I agree with that yeah. in part. You know, I agree, I agree with that in part, JC, in that, you know, obviously if you get a Nick Marshall, that would help. Um, that that kid, I know he's not a pro, but he was tailor-made for that offense. I, I still think we're seeing a little bit of a trend in college football where some of those kind of gimmicky offenses where you got a guy who's really not much of a passer, but you just get by because – yeah, the quarterback runs all over the place, and and that's the. I I don't know if it's going to be as successful today as it was a few years ago. I I think I think we're starting to see. People always say the pro game very often mimics the college game. I think college quarterback elite play is going to start mimicking NFL play a little bit. In that, you're going to have to be able to be at least a good passer as opposed to just a mediocre passer that can just run all over the field, a la Nick Fitzgerald at Mississippi State or somebody like that. I mean, I really think we're getting farther and farther away from that because, you know, those defensive coordinators, they break down tape. They're pretty smart guys. Uh, and, and if you're playing against a defense that has athletes and know how to key on a quarterback that clearly is one-dimensional, uh, which I would also put Felipe Franks in that category right now, then – you just become so much easier to defend. So I, I think a lot of people are, have grown tired of Gus's offensive philosophy, period, even if he does get the next guy. Will they be more successful if you got a Nick Marshall? Sure, sure. But are they going to contend for national championships with that offense? I think that's where a lot of people have doubts. And I, I would be in that category that I don't know if Gus's old offense, just as it was, is going to be as effective as it was five, six, seven years ago. But I mean, time will tell because I, I don't know if Gus is there. Look, that is his, that's, that's in his DNA and that's his thing. And I don't see him changing anything dramatically to be honest with you. So uh, we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, before we look at this week's games, as we uh, wrap up shop here, do want to mention BP Skinner clothiers, BP Skinner clothiers.com. Let them come to you. They want to provide you with a level of personalized service that has become rare today. That is why they offer to come to you for fittings and consultations. When I say they'll come to you, I mean anywhere you're listening to us right now. Go ahead and reach out to Brent. Go to the website, bpskinnerclothiers.com. And give him a call. Say, I, I, want, I need Brent. I want Brent. Have him come to my house. We'll get fit. We'll pick out suits. We'll pick out ties. We'll pick out shirts. We'll pick out pants, accessories. They've got it all. Uh, I can tell you. It'll be the easiest thing that you do when it comes to shopping. It'll also be the best thing you do in terms of looking your very best. Reach out today. Brent Skinner takes care of so many people. I saw Marty Smith on ESPN doing uh, the Marty and McGee show. It's kind of a fun watch if you get a chance to, to see it on SEC Network. And they were complimenting Marty on how good his tie looked. And he went out and gave a little plug to old Brent Skinner hmm. on uh, the Marty and McGee show. He said, yeah, that's that's." 
that's BP Skinner right there. It's Brent Skinner making me look good. He's done the same for me, and he can for you as well. BPSkinnerClothiers.com. Check him out today. Um, JC, we talk about how so often in college football we have these you know fancy little nicknames to describe a slate of games, uh, Decision Saturday, Separation Saturday, Championship Saturday, whatever. For me, this weekend is, oh, what could have been Saturday. Uh-huh, yeah. Because you look at the matchup of games and you're like, wow, if you would have told me you, if you would have showed me this list of games back in September, I would have been like, man, I can't wait. (laughs) Get the, get the quad box going. I'm watching Ohio state, Michigan state. I'm watching Florida state, Notre Dame. I'm watching Georgia, Auburn, and I can't wait. I mean, these are marquee great. I'm watching Mississippi state, Alabama. Cause remember Mississippi state was supposed to win 10 games this year. And Nick Fitzgerald could have been a Heisman trophy candidate. I'm watching all of this. What well, this is going to be one of the best week bedlam, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state. Oh my goodness. It's not getting any better than this week. This is fantastic. Uh, not really. I mean, look at the spreads on these games. <laughs> They're all double digits. They're all expected to be less than competitive. Look, I'm not trying to be buzzkill here. I'll be watching a lot of them. I hope we have some good games. But honestly, it, it's not a great slate of matchups if you just go based on what we know about these teams through 10 weeks. I mean, even Washington State. Colorado had a uh, chance a few weeks ago when Colorado. Remember when Colorado was undefeated yeah. and ranked uh, pretty highly in the country, fifteenth or so. I mean, even them, even that that had a chance. But yeah, Auburn, Georgia was going to be Titanic, you know. Um, you know Mississippi State, Mississippi State, Bama. You know the Bulldogs have a good enough defensive line to where I don't. I think they could avoid getting completely blown out, but heck, Bama's defense may pitch a second straight shutout. Um, best game, I think, uh, Ohio State, Michigan State. Um, Clemson, Boston College, it's at night. Again, beware if you're a Southern ACC program of going up north late. Uh, saw it happen to Miami last year against Pitt. I told my neighbor, my big Miami fan, they were undefeated. I was like, beware of going to Pitt in in late November. Um, But I don't know that Clemson – Clemson's a 20-point favorite. I don't think they're going to have a problem. Um, I would rank that number two. And and Auburn, Georgia, probably number three uh, on my list. You know, Ohio State, Michigan State, to me, is interesting. Look, another game, TCU, West Virginia was supposed to be good, too. Um, Ohio State could lose this ball game. Because Michigan State is a spunky, overachieving team. So, you know, that, that's kind of the thing that, that I'm looking for there. But uh, I think we're almost out of time, brother. We are, my man. I, I, I hate to cut this short, but I think we got a lot in, quite frankly, in an <laughs> hour's worth huge. of time. People are going to love it. So, uh, Always enjoy it. We'll be back next week to uh, talk about much of the same, and hopefully we'll maybe have a couple upsets this weekend. Give us something to chew on a little bit. Uh, what has, as we mentioned, been one of the more predictable seasons this year in college football. JC, have a great week, and uh, we'll holler at you soon. Jess, it's happening. 
Whoa, Tina, what are you doing in my car? Space is here now. No closet will be left behind. Did you say closet? Yes, the Container Store custom closets are up to 25% off. It doesn't matter the size or shape. Space is coming to them all. You're not serious. Space isn't a joke, Jess. How long do we have? Through October 13th. All right, buckle up. The Container Store Custom Closet Sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha. The Container Store, where space comes from. Something extraordinary has happened to Judy Sizemore's closet, making it feel more like a closet. 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 An area that once caused claustrophobia now has enough space Space. to hold all of Judy's striped boat neck sweaters. And Judy Sizemore has a lot of striped boat neck sweaters. The Container Store Custom Closet Sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha, through October 13th. The Container Store, where space comes from.